In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Handpicked book recommendations and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number 29, Iowa Nice. Iowa Nice. <laughs> if you haven't ever seen that video, that was what, about maybe 10 years ago or so, mm-hmm. there was a very nice man that was talking about our reputation at Iowa, that we're all just super nice people. Yes. And then he exploded that by using the F word a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was delightful. So our theme today is all about Iowa writers. Yes. People that are from Iowa, writing in Iowa, that are making it from the state in which we are recording this right at this second. Yes. State we were born in. State we were bred in. I don't know why bread. Bread is so weird. Bread feels like we're like a a Pomeranian or something being bred in a, you know, puppy mill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Corn-fed Iowa bread. Is that what you're thinking of? (laughs) Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you see some of those shirts around. Yeah, you do. You yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about stereotypes, sometimes they're real. Yes, they come from somewhere. They come from somewhere. Yeah, they start. Indeed, they yeah. Don't. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we think I was great for a lot of reasons. We do. I mean, you'll see in this episode, it brings us a lot of talent. It sure does. But what is your favorite or best part of living in Iowa? Um, one thing I really like is the idea of traffic is very different here than say in chicago very true when i came back from chicago and people would tell me about oh oh god the traffic's heavy on 235 today and i'd like i'd be out there i'm like well there are other cars on the road that is true so (laughs) by that definition there is traffic however those cars are moving Mm. which is not often the case 
in, say, the Chicago interstates. So when I would first move here, I would think it was going to take me forever to get places. And I'd always be like 20 minutes early everywhere. (laughs) Which, you know, made me punctual. It did. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. But I can see how that was. Yeah. So our concept of traffic is loose (laughs) and not necessarily true. I like it. Which I like. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good uh, benefit. You're right. Erin, I have an important question for you. Oh, gosh. Hit me with it. Okay. (laughs) Do you like sweet corn? No. (laughs) Nope. Not even a little bit. Why am I asking you that question? Hate it. Well, because there's this assumption of Iowa. Obviously, corn represents Mm -hmm. us on a lot of levels. Yeah. Uh, And everyone assumes that if you're from Iowa, you like corn. Mm -hmm. And even people that live in Iowa make that assumption. Yes. Like if I'm at a barbecue or something, somebody's like, oh, we have sweet corn. I'm like, no, thanks. You don't like corn? You're from Iowa. I'm yeah. Like, okay, first of all, why that accent? Yeah. Why that? <laughs> and second of all, I don't – no, I don't. I like popcorn. Yeah. I don't like corn. Yeah. I don't like sweet corn. I don't like frozen corn. I don't like canned corn. I don't like cream corn. I don't Ooh. want corn. And you know what else? What? Love me cornbread, but if you put corn in your cornbread, I am out. <laughs> I do not want to randomly get a kernel of corn in my teeth. I don't like it. It's not appropriate. I'm now picturing you like biting into cornbread and then realizing there's a kernel and just throwing it. <laughs> what Accurate. is this shit? Never. <laughs> not today, cornbread. <laughs> I like that um, corn is often the image associated mm-hmm. with Iowa. Mm-hmm. Watch any sporting event and you're going to see B-roll that's just fields of corn because apparently that's <laughs> yep. Iowa. We all no just live in fields of yep, corn. No civilization anywhere. Mm-hmm. Just fields of corn. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that... You don't even like corn. I don't. Do you like corn? Uh, Take it or leave it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. You're not diametrically opposed like I am. No, but you know what? I'll tell you what. Remember when I had my jaw surgery? I told you that story. Yeah. Um, And my mom would blend up everything. No, no, no. She didn't blend up the corn that I recall, but she would – we often had uh, cobs of corn for dinner. Uh That was the only vegetable we usually had. So she would cut the corn off the cob and then give it to me and I could sort of mash it into a paste in my mouth. (laughs) Okay. Um, if I didn't like corn before, I, I mean, we did nothing to help that situation. I mashed it into a paste. Nothing has ever sounded more appetizing. I think I was making alcohol in my mouth because isn't that part of the alcohol oh, process? Mashing you're fermenting the corn. corn into your distilling liquor. Distilling it in my okay. mouth. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. I shouldn't have asked that question. Uh, <laughs> All right. If you had to pick one item to put in a time capsule to represent Iowa, what would you select, Amy? Well, I have a uh, a funny item and a serious item. Okay. Okay. So funny item, I want to just put Herky in the time capsule. You're going down, Herky. If you're not familiar, the University of Iowa's mascot is a hawk named Herky. And he gets up to hijinks at every sporting event. Um, and I don't want just the mask. I want all of Herky, whoever's playing him these days, some nice 18-year-old from, you know, Earlham, Iowa. I don't know. Uh-huh. We're going to stuff him in the time capsule and take him out in 50 years. I- including the guy? Yes. <laughs> okay. So our time capsule now involves kidnapping? And attempted murder. Attempted? I think it's pretty much murder. I think it's murder. I'm not sure he's going to make it inside the time capsule. Hey, you said time capsule. I just riffed off the concept. Okay, I like and, it. I, you yeah. know what? You're right. Great idea. <laughs> Live Herky. Okay. What's your... I, that was, is that your funny or your serious? That was my okay. funny one. <laughs> okay. 
So besides Herky, okay. we're also going to put in a marriage certificate between two of my friends, Heath and Michael, who were, you know, very early on one of the first gay couples to get married after Iowa was like the second state in the country oh, that allowed gay marriage. One. I like that. Yeah. So their wedding certificate is going to be next to Herky as he decomposes over 50 years. Right. Yeah. Maybe we should put their marriage certificate like in a protective glass. <laughs> I don't want him to be tempted I mean, to could, eat it. We could laminate it. Sure. Okay. I mean, yeah. we got home laminators now. We yeah. Can, we could definitely right. do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Solid choice. Solid choice. Yep. How about your time capsule item? Well, I had two items, okay. too. I don't know if one's more serious or one's more funny. Sure. But first, I want to put in a butter cow replica. Oh, yeah. A replica. Can, Obviously, I don't want just butter in there. Okay. Can it be, be vegan butter? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Um, so because to me, there's something about the state fair that really, mm. it's another one of those kind of stereotypical things people think about in Iowa. And it really is everything that people think it is. And it's absolutely gross. I hate it with the full passion of yeah. my heart. Yes, you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. So I think a small butter cow would be hilarious. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Could my herky guy eat the butter? I'm going to guess at some point he's, he's going to think it is. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're probably going to get like just little butter leg cow <laughs> on like a stand. Just the little legs yep. are left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. What's yeah. your second one? My second one is I was going to – it's kind of similar to Herky, but everywhere in Iowa you see this house divided gear because it's yes. Iowa State or Iowa. Iowa State or Iowa. Yes. People are just crazy for either Psychotic. one. Psychotic. Like, you know, yeah. so they made all this like license plates and flags and shirts that are house divided. Somebody likes Iowa State. Somebody likes Iowa. Mm-hmm. To me, that just kind of, you know, really makes me feel like that's what we want to be represented by. Absolutely. House divided corn and a butter cow. <laughs> and a herky. <laughs> and a herky. A guy a in a herky costume. <laughs> I really want to be there when they open the time capsule and get the full smell of the butter cow and the decomposing herky yeah. and you know all and the and then see the house divided and be like what the hell happened to and be I clear were. mine was a replica <laughs> it's made out of plastic i was Damn putting oh. a live butter thing oh. in there i really didn't think this through very carefully i, I like that you okay. went maniacal i'm fine with it <laughs> <laughs> good because that's where i went yeah okay i think it's good well, you know, we, we've really demonstrated how nice Iowans are and what we're known for. But you know what? We're also known for writing. True. Yes, we are. And in fact, when we're talking about writing, you know, one thing that needs to be mentioned is the Iowa Writers Workshop, yep. which is in Iowa City. It is one of, if not the best, MFA program in the country. And almost every really accomplished writer you've probably seen – um, has been at Iowa at mm-hmm. some point in their um, career. But, you know, that's to say that not everybody stays in Iowa. They come to Iowa City for a little while, they get their MFA, and then they go away, maybe mm-hmm. back to New York. But not Marilyn Robinson. <gasps> oh, oh, my gosh. We almost picked the Did same we? thing. Yeah, I didn't, though. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. So Marilyn Robinson came to the University of mm-hmm. Iowa to teach, stayed for 25 years, mm-hmm. just retired a few years ago, and is still in Iowa City. And the book that I chose um, is by her from 2014. It's called Lila. I wondered which one you were going to pick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She's, she's written, obviously, I think four or five mm-hmm. novels. And three of them center around this fictional town of Gilead, Iowa. And this is no exception. But in Lila, we start with a little girl who's out on a stoop. Um, whoever is in the home, whether it's mom or dad or, or maybe... Who knows is in there. They won't let her in. And this happens a lot, we learn. But this time, a woman named Doll picks her up and takes her away and names the little girl Lila. After cleaning her up, nursing her back to health, they take off down the road looking for work. And this continues through the 1920s and into the really rough depression years, you know, where 
work is is hard to be found and they're just sort of scrounging and making some tough choices and and really not setting down roots anywhere. But interspersed with this story is a future story where Lila is in Gilead, Iowa. She's sort of a happened to meet this preacher who actually features in these other books Mm -hmm. um, and has uh, started a relationship with him and now is staying with him and is married with him and having his baby. Um, So we're, we're seeing, you know, both the, the past Lila and how during that time she was dealing with this epic loneliness, this feeling of shame that somehow she was kidnapped. Somehow she was left behind. Somehow she wasn't wanted somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And so dealing with that as as an adult is, of course, very difficult. Like I said, this is a based, this is one of three novels based in Gilead, Iowa, and I haven't read the other two. So if you feel like you need to, you know, read those others to get situated in this world, absolutely do it. But I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was pulled into this book. It's so wonderful. And it's kind of cool to know that there are some of the same characters in the other books. And this Mm -hmm. just happens to be from Lila's perspective. Um, So yeah, it's set in Iowa, written by an Iowa writer. And in fact, she dedicates the book to Iowa. Boom. Have you read Marilyn Robinson? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which ones have you read? All of them. So Lila too? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. They're great, yeah. yeah. I know, and like you said, you could do them independently, but yeah, there's something magical about those that how it, those threads are pulled mm-hmm. through all of them. Which yeah. one is? Do you have a favorite among the three? Oh gosh, I kind of always think of them as one. As one, Isn't yeah. That weird, yeah. yeah. And maybe maybe she intended that in a yeah. way, you know. I mean, but they were very far apart. Very. Some of them. Yeah. Um, I, my, I'm kind of um, partial to the very first one, the Gilead. Gilead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's set in like 1850s, 60s mm-hmm. Civil War. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I saw that there was like an Underground Railroad story and, and things like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. They're beautifully written too. The sentence structure. Very oh my much gosh. so. Yeah. And beautiful. yeah. And I was just getting this sense reading Lila's story of, like I said, that deep loneliness, that sort of sense of yes. shame that is so tough to encapsulate in writing. And God, it was just, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Very. That was a good choice. I almost went there. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked that one. That would have been weird. We would have picked the same author, oh but God. two different books. What? Whoa. That would have been another milestone, milestone in broads and books history. It would have been. Yeah. But instead, oh. I went with a book called Some Other Town by Ooh. Elizabeth Collison. Um, and so she now, I don't believe she resides in Iowa, but she grew up here in the Midwest. Great. And she received her MFA from the Iowa Writers Workshop. Um, and this book is basically, if you know anything about Iowa City, it's the setting is eighties in this city, but it's basically Iowa city in the eighties. Oh, yeah. So it was first, first published in 2015. Um, like I said, if you know anything about the area, you're going to recognize stuff immediately, what she's referring to. Um, and it's got a, a surrealism aspect to it, mm-hmm. which means, um, to put it simply that you sometimes don't know what's real and what's not. There's, there's a very thin line between what's being imagined and what's really happening, which can be a real trip for a reader. Cause you're trying to figure out what, okay, wait, what's going mm-hmm. on? Am I supposed to be mm-hmm. believing that, not believing that? So, um, it tells the story of Margaret Benning, um, that she's kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. She's kind of fallen into the rut. She works a low level job at a university sponsored publisher, uh, lives in a small house. So she goes to work, comes home, doesn't have a lot of social life. Doesn't, you know, isn't really interested in much else. She just kind of seems stuck. Um, but the, her whole world changes when she falls in love with Ben Adams, who is a visiting professor of art at the university. So against both of their kind of want, they end up becoming intimate and starting a relationship. And it seems great. Like this whole new future is open to Margaret. Everything's going to be wonderful. And then he disappears. 
And so she decides that she can't go back to the way she was living before and she's going to find him. She's got to figure out what's going on. So she goes out on this journey uh, to figure out exactly where he went, why he went. Um, There's some twists in there you're not going to see coming. There's some moments that you're going to think, I don't think that I understand anything. And then you're going to be like, oh, no, wait, no, I do. So, yeah, she does a great job of interweaving all that. Um, It's such a great story just in terms of plot, but it also has this really neat awakening feeling to it, Um, figuring out what you deserve seems to be kind of a, a big theme throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot drives you, but there's a lot more that is brought to the table with it too. So I think that she is fantastic. I loved this book. And I think if you know anything about Iowa or city, you're going to love it just for that. Ugh. So I need to read that. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, you would like super it. Super yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you too, but maybe because um, it doesn't happen very often. Whenever you read something that is set in Iowa or there's some, you know, major Iowa connection to it, there's this feeling of like, Oh my God, Oh, I know this place. Yeah. I know this place. I know yeah. this place. And yeah, I imagine if if you're from a figure, bigger city like New York, that happens all the time, or mm-hmm. or even from Chicago when sure. I was from there. But you know, having something set in Des Moines or Iowa City, mm-hmm. or even this fictional town of Gilead, which represents and and sort of feels like a lot of other small towns, it's kind of cool. Yeah, very. It's like, yeah, I like it. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Okay, two big Iowa authors started off. Yes. So my next choice is a collection of a lot of different kind of writing. And it's called We the Interwoven, Volume 1, from last year, 2018. And Volume 2 is now available. And first thing to know is there is an organization called the Iowa Writers House, and it's based in Iowa City. It offers classes, offers sort of writing community, um, and also a house to stay in. If you're a writer and you just want to come into Iowa City for a while, you can rent a room in this house. Um, It's led by Andrea Wilson. And starting last year, they also started this really cool thing called the Bicultural Iowa Writing Fellowship, where they support three writers a year who are immigrant, first, or second generation Iowans. So this book that I chose, We the Interwoven, Volume 1, it features Chui Rentiera, who is a Mexican-American from West Liberty, uh, Melissa Palma, who is Filipina-American from Waterloo, and Sadagat Alieva, who is Azerbaijani-American from Des Moines. So three people with this very rich heritage they've grown up in. And we, the interwoven, is their stories. We've got nonfiction. We've got poetry. We've got fiction. We've got little bits of pieces from each of the three of them in this collection. And it's all designed to represent that particular person and their writing style and what they write about, but also their sort of unique bicultural experiences that are only found in Iowa. And so the the writing <clears> – excuse me – The writing goes from the coast of Azerbaijan to the border towns of Mexico to the Philippines. And what I love about this is, of course, the writing itself is very good. It's very affecting. All these writers tell amazing stories. In fact, I went to a live reading once uh, for this volume and got to see all of them. And it was really, really fascinating. But I also love that this celebrates a side of Iowa that a lot of people may not recognize or may not know exists. Like we were saying, sort of the national mass consciousness of Iowa is fields of corn and probably white people all over the place. Right. And when you look at our, you know, politicians that are representing us these days, maybe a lot of bigots. But I'll tell you what, that is not the real Iowa. Um, 
we, you know, as a state, like so many other states, we have this rich history of immigration and this sort of complex cultural landscape as a result of it. And so anyone who actually lives in Iowa, who has grown up in Iowa, who's been in cities, small towns, they know this and they can recognize this. And that's what I really love about this. So it's this sort of beautiful dedication to that side of Iowa, as well as the celebration of these um, three individuals in their particular writing. And I love the organization's mission. Um, I think it's amazing. I can't wait to read volume two. I think this is a really, really cool thing that they're doing for Iowa writers and all for it. It's wonderful. Yes. Way to be. Yes. Awesome. That was a great second pick. Thank you, Erin. You're welcome. I like your support. Oh, I'm trying something new. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who else is trying something new? Podcat. Yeah. She's just been sitting over here this whole time. Not meowing, cleaning her butt, cleaning her paws. She's very intent on it's, her focus. And it's purpose. a lengthy bath. We're it not going to lie. It's a very lengthy bath. It's run the full length of this recording so far. Mm-hmm. Um, could not be bothered to really even look at, oh, there she goes. Oh, she does. Okay. All right. That was all you if she asked later. Oh, I had shit. no part of this. Yeah. She's like, oh, oh okay. Oh. I get it now. All right. Fine. Okay. Well, hmm. that's been that's been entertaining. It's been a real podcast. Thanks. Things, anyway. Things just got weird for the record. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, so my uh, nonfiction pick this week for Iowa Nice is called Midnight Assassin, A Murder in America's Heartland. Because you know I had to bring you some true crime. Yes, you did. In the Iowa episode. So this is written by Patricia L. Bryan and Thomas Wolfe, who are actually a husband-wife duo. Um, And they they worked on the book together. They're both born and raised in the Midwest here. And he, Thomas Wolfe, actually did earn his MFA from the Iowa Writers Workshop as well. So in 1975. So they worked together on this collaboration. What happens is this tells the story of Margaret Hasek, the wife of a well-known farmer in Iowa, who in 1900 is arrested for killing her husband with an axe. Oh. Yes. So there's a ton of community outrage because, first of all, how could a woman kill a man with an axe? Good Lord, right. Second of all, the kids were upstairs sleeping. Oh, who my does goodness. that? And the community is like desperate to know what's going on a few of the first-hand accounts as they're trying to they talk to people or look at you know police records that type of thing paint her husband to be a very mean cruel very unstable person so this this self-defense motive sort of emerges and it divides the town so half the people think yeah she probably did it out of self-defense and the other half think no she just guilty she killed the guy in the meantime Margaret's story is that an intruder broke into the house and killed her husband while she was sleeping beside him and is still out there somewhere. So killed her husband with an axe. Left her. Yeah. She was just asleep. She woke up. Sure. Horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it got national attention, which I mean, in 1900, that's obviously newspapers. It was picked up everywhere. It was a big deal. And you can think that that took a lot longer, obviously, without Twitter, internet, all those things Uh that pick it up. And the town was just completely divided over whether she was guilty, innocent, innocent because it was self-defense. So... The book actually takes you all the way through the trial as well. And I won't give away some of the stuff that happens there. But I love this book because Iowa, obviously, this great story of this murder in Iowa. But also, it's a really deep look at the difficulty that women faced at that time. Legally, socially, politically, um, some of the, the big obstacles to this case, to maybe seeing it for everything that it was. It also talks a lot about um, about the difficulty of being a farmer at the turn of the century. And we know even today, growing up in Iowa, farming is not an easy profession. Right. It's not something that 
you know, automatically you make a ton, ton of money and it just goes super well. So this really highlights a lot of the problems with that. It also brings in another origin story of Susan Glassbell, who covered the case as a young reporter and went on to become a, one of the early feminists in feminist movements. So she was instrumental in bringing out some of the details that people started to go, oh, wait, maybe this isn't as black and white as I thought it was. Honestly, it's it's a great true crime story. It is. But it really there's so much more it about our legal system, about the question of innocence and guilt, um, consequences in which crime occurs. And really a big part of it, which is so interesting because it happened in 1900, is the role media plays. Yeah. In, and we've talked about that before with true crime, but the role media plays in how someone is perceived and how people decide right away guilt or innocence kind of by the news stories that they read or see. Mm-hmm. And so I loved the idea that we're dissecting that in when we live in an age when that's incredibly important. Yes. But it was just as important in 1900. Yes. It was causing the same kind of situations. So it's a really interesting book to weave all that stuff together. And at the heart of it, it's just a great crime book. Yeah. So yeah, it, it sounds like reading it. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been reading some historical stuff lately where it feels like, Oh, this is happening again. Or it like yeah. things never really quite change. That mm-hmm. feels like it could be happening right now, mm-hmm. you know, and all the, the media attention, all the, absolutely. All the suspicion of women, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Although I really like the idea that someone just came in, axed her husband and she slept through it. Like she is a hardcore sleeper and I respect that. And I mean, he's, we didn't have Ambien at this time. So <laughs> it's going to be a struggle, but yeah, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. I, if anyone reads the book and wants to have a discussion with me, reach out. Yeah. Because there's a part of me that thinks that she might've been better off had she said nothing ever about what had happened. But on another hand, I really admire her moxie being like, no, yeah, I was asleep. He got killed. Sorry. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wish I could sleep that hard. Yeah, that would never happen. But I, <sighs> yeah, I know, right? I used to be a really hard sleeper. Did you always, were you um, a light sleeper, hard sleeper? I was a hard sleeper until I had kids. Oh. And now it's totally different. Yeah, like one little noise can make me. Like who's yeah. throwing up? Oh, somebody's <laughs> sick. Somebody's out of bed. Like you feel like a weird uh, over-triggered alarm system all the time. When I was younger, um, we had uh, – I lived on the east side and we had a drunk driver drive through our yard and almost – I had the basement bedroom and almost like go through the wall and, you know, was tearing through, tore out some trees, all this kind of stuff. There were cop cars, everything. I slept through it all. We also had a drug house down the street where uh, they tried to burn it down several times and never woke up when the fire trucks came. Nothing. I slept hard. Wow. I wish I could sleep that hard. That's again. impressive. I'm also prone to um, sleepwalking and sleep talking. Oh my God. I used to be too. Yeah. So that's more. Yeah. People think I'm awake and I'm talking to them, but I have no Ooh. recollection of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to have that too. It took Mike but... a little while to figure I mean, he knows now, but there's a few times that I freaked him out. Do you have a tell where he's like watching you and he's like, oh no, she is fully asleep at this moment? I don't, I would think so. Yeah. He just said that he realized, to be fair, I'm a very random person. So that is not shocking information. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard because the subject matter is random, but that yes. could be. That could he's, be normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He said he started to realize it though, because I, there's no like talking back and forth to me. I just keep talking. <laughs> like even when he's like, what? And I just keep rambling. You're like lecturing. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was wow. a time that I got straight out of bed, middle of the night, screamed. 
stood by the window and he's like, what is the problem? <laughs> like, There's bugs everywhere in the bed. I'm not sleeping in there. And oh my God. He had to like turn on the lights, pull back the sheets, show me. This is before he realized. He thought that I just felt a bug. He, he didn't realize like I was completely asleep. Oh my and God. so he was like trying to show me that there were no bugs and I wasn't having any Logic's not going to do yeah. anything when you're so sleeping. So I think at some point he just rolled over and was just like, <laughs> fine. And then I eventually got back in bed. Another time I woke up and said, we have to go get the baby from China. What? Yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, the baby's in China. We have to go now. Pack a bag. And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> no recollection of either of those two incidences. So, Were you planning on stealing a baby from Apparently. China? Yeah. A moment's notice I was jumping oh on a plane God. to get a baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Wow. Now, if I start talking, he just says, it's okay. Just go back it's to okay. sleep. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. even engage anymore. What would happen if you were working in espionage and you were a sleepwalker? And a sleep talker. Would you be able to like, would your sleep self just reveal everything? Probably. I probably would. Yeah. I wonder if they test for that. Like if you're going to be a, a high point. level spy yeah. and you're getting all that training, do they do like a month study and say, let's see what our sleep habits yeah. are? Because if she's a blabber, then this is done. Can't have this. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the training is so rigid that even their sleep cells are like, nope, got to keep this shit buttoned up. Or they speak Ooh, in code or something. Maybe. <sighs> That'd be great. And, you know, maybe I'd be safe because I don't ever talk about anything that's actually real to my life when I'm sleep. You true, know, true, you know? true, true, true. Except so, that time you were going to steal a baby from China. Right. That was totally yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had that all planned out. <laughs> really foiled by Mike <laughs> realizing I was asleep. Now I want you to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, we got to go get Herky for the time capsule. <laughs> no, the guy has to stay in it. <laughs> oh, you think I'm asleep now? No, I am legit right. awake. Kidnap and Dead. murder immediately. <laughs> Go U of I. <laughs> it's bad because I am an Iowa fan, so I shouldn't be, you know, recommending we um, treat our mascot in such a way. But I don't know. It just got away with me. It just uh, – things just I, got out of hand. I'm taking it that you're just that ride or die that you're trying to give yeah. me a chance to be on Dateline. Yes. <gasps> That's it. Mm-hmm. See, you can see right through me. Yeah. You know what's happening. Thank you. That was yeah. the nicest thing anyone's ever done. You're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to go to jail, so <laughs> – also, in our, I realized the flaw in our question, who's oh. in charge of the time capsule, are we? Ooh. Because we might get caught at that point. That's a good point. We probably need um, to be in charge of it if we're we going to put a large person yeah, yeah. down there. Yeah, we'll start a big campaign and like, the Bronze and Bucks time capsule of Iowa. And then, oh. you know, there'll be oh. so many like legit oh. things. But then we'll also have a secret time capsule where we put Herky, <laughs> which is just called a coffin. <laughs> second time the capsule <laughs> isn't the whole point that you dig it up later so they think they found the real time capsule and then there's like i know there's a secret one probably this one with this body because i will leave careful instructions oh, See, okay. yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. good let's make sure that we say that when they're gonna dig it up it's like centuries from now so that you know so the statute of limitations has far run out and we're dead and we're dead yeah yeah in that herky coffin okay <laughs> Do you have to shape it different than a normal body? Ooh, well, it's a little, you know, top heavy, yeah. the big head. So yeah, it's got to be like a, a big thing and then like tapers down to mm-hmm. like a slim leg pant okay. kind of thing. Yeah. One more follow up question. <laughs> In your mind, why exactly is it necessary to have a person inside the herky outfit? Because. <laughs> Just for my own understanding. So I because can defend this. We need. 
the full magic because the costume is not enough. You know, we need like it to be animated. So we need someone in there. Okay. So <laughs> it's going to be animated prior to getting in. And when it comes out, it's going to be a real smelly pile of feathers. Okay. okay I haven't thought this fully through, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what right. I'm thinking. Yeah. Robot. Oh, Okay. Robot in you her costume. Me. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you still want a person, I, I just needed to know what I needed to say. We're, I'm down. That's fine. Okay. But I think what we need to include then is him being Herky, like a videotape. And yeah. then we also bury that with the Herky. Like, oh. this is what it used to be. Is this still considered true crime? And am I going to get you on Dateline with this scenario? Uh, I think this is pretty true crime. Oh, yeah. okay. Great. Yeah. Then let's do it. I mean, it's complicated as F and let's yeah. just go for Why it. Why not? Yes. Because... <laughs> Why, what else would you do with a time capsule <laughs> except put weird things in there? Put Herky in there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, boy. I know. Well, speaking of true crime, I also have a true crime entry <gasps> for this week. I'm so excited about this. I feel like I'm converting you. I made a discovery this week, everyone. One that I think that Aaron is definitely going to like, and I know you've listened to one episode. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of you listeners are going to like as well. It's a podcast put on by iHeartMedia and the Des Moines Police Department. It's called Missing in the Metro. And it's simply that. It's cold cases of missing people in Des Moines and the area. And what's great is the the first episodes, which were released earlier this year, or the very first episode, it actually goes through a, a solved case and how the Des Moines Police Department and all the detectives went from someone reporting someone missing to all the things that happened to actually then find her and what happened afterward. Um so with the help of the Des Moines Police Department's public information officer, Sergeant Paul Parisic, they talk through one case, this one solved case from a few years ago, how it was brought to the police, like I said, how they got breaks. And then the next few episodes are cold cases, which are still unsolved. Um, one that I've listened to was one from 1960, which every time there's a new detective, um, they then get the opportunity. Someone gives them like, this case hasn't been solved. Take a fresh look at this, see mm-hmm. what happens. And so it tells the story of that one officer's taking a look at it, re-interviewing some people, thinking he made a lead. And then, you know, you see what happened afterwards. So it's super compelling. It's fascinating. They're actually doing this so that if anyone knows anything about these cases, um, they can get some additional information and they can check it out and potentially solve this. Um, so it's the best of true crime, but on a very local scale, which mm-hmm. is really interesting and really exciting. I love the people involved. We yes. both like Paul Parizic. He's yes. got a very reassuring voice. He does. He knows what's up. And I like him. He's a great public information officer. Yes. I like his no-nonsense style. Yeah. I haven't seen him on TV, but you told me you like that – he just – he doesn't brook nonsense. No, he doesn't. But in a nice way. In He's a not nice a way. jerk. He's just yes. like, no, people. This is – nah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. But like I've mentioned before, my dad was uh, a, a policeman for mm-hmm. the police department. So it, it's kind of cool to see behind the scenes. You know, I've heard the stories from my dad that are the, you know, the funny ones, the scary ones, whatever. But this is like procedural. It's very, very fascinating in that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have been recommending it to Aaron. I've been recommending it to other people. Get in. On Missing in the Metro. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Local Des Moines podcast. And Amy told me about this earlier, and I did already listen because obviously true crime fanatic, I had to start listening. And I listened to the first episode, and I will tell you that there was something in there that blew my mind already. And it was the fact that they were talking about those speed cameras that are up that people hate because they get the anonymous ticket and then you pay them and you're like, whatever. 
they get all mad about. Well, they said that the part of the purpose of those is that they can put in an individual license plate. And when they do that, like in an Amber alert situation or a missing person, it will clock every car, whether or not you're speeding, it will take a picture so it can see if that car passes. Time stamp it, tell you when this is. Yeah. It was fascinating. Which I I was like, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I'll just take my lumps and pay the tickets and just be happy about it. I know I'm speeding. So if I get a ticket, fine. But if it's helping solve, you know, a case or helping find somebody, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a great – I had no idea that it had that capability, and I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. They should have done a public campaign about that. They should have. Maybe yeah. that's part of this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, those things that you hate, they're actually very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I like it. Okay. Well, my um, pop culture pick this yes. week, it's kind of a – it's combo, um, but it's it's a book, so that's kind of weird because I put a book, but it's not really like a book that, you know, like you wouldn't sit down. It's not a chapter book. It's called Overheard in the Store. And it's put out by Raygun. It was put out in 2013. And it's a series of sentences or comments that they've overheard in their store. This sounds fantastic. It's amazing. Oh, and, and tell people what Raygun is. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And that's sure why I was going to yeah. say it was a combo because I'm yes. kind of saying Raygun too. Yes, so yeah. Raygun is this um, – if you've heard of it, it's a t-shirt shop that started in Des Moines. They have one in Cedar Rapids now. Chicago. Chicago. Omaha, I Yeah, think. they yeah. are expanding. But mm-hmm. it started here in Iowa, and they do a lot of really Iowa-based um, funny slogan yes. t-shirts. But they sell a lot of different things now. Yes. Wildly successful. They're notoriously hilarious. They love to poke fun at things that bring some brevity to situations yes. that would otherwise not be. For example, we have a horrific congressman um, named Steve King. And there's, yes, there's t-shirts that say, dear world, we are sorry for yeah. Steve King. We're sorry about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is actually when I fell in love with Raygun. Yeah. I saw that t-shirt because he's been in office for way too long, yeah. a long time ago. But yeah. Yeah. So this, it was put out in 2013. It actually, um, they actually use their Twitter account sometimes to put out tweets of things that they've heard, but they took a whole bunch of them and they put them by category in this. And then they drew cartoons around some of them oh too. It's phenomenal. Um, you could read it in 20 minutes or you can just flip through and find it. It's It would be a great gift. Yeah. Just because it's hilarious. Coffee but it's also table just, book. Yeah, funny. If you need a moment, it's just funny. So um, a couple, I took a few of my favorite ones. Oh, wonderful. Um, and again, remember that these were said by people in the store. Some of them employees and some of them people that were just there. Oh, my God. But <laughs> so here's one. If you take all the music that's ever been recorded and pick Nickelback as your favorite band, you have a serious problem. <laughs> I agree with that person. Yeah. yeah. Mm. One specific to Iowa out of a section called Iowa Problems. Just because it's cold outside doesn't mean you have to wear an ugly ass stocking cap. <laughs> That's just truth. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. This might be my favorite. And it's I'm probably not going to come across in the translation as well because they drew the most hilarious cartoon with it. But there should be a show called downtown arby's it's just a bunch of old british people driving up to get curly fries i like that a lot Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my friend is in town from texas so we're gonna show her a good time in iowa starting with a little day drinking (laughs) that's the best iowa can offer a little day drinking a little day drinking yeah Mm -hmm. oh man that sounds wonderful Mm mm-hmm I love just going into Raygun because there's something delightful every damn time. Something yes. new. There's a whole kids section with just wonderful stuff. There's glasses. There's coasters. There's everything. Mm-hmm. 
all of it hilarious. Yeah, it's great. And in and, fact, we've talked about Ray Gun before. Yes. They partnered with um, Jennifer Wilson, yes. who was one of our picks from episode nine. Yeah. So Her great book was through Ray Gun. And so if you remember at that time, I told you, you can also go find Ray Gun online. Mm-hmm. You can order online. You can see all the fantastic stuff there. So if you're not from Iowa or you don't have a chance to get to the Iowa-based store, Omaha, wherever, you can look on there and you can find fantastic t-shirts. Glorious stuff. Fantastic. They do fundraisers. They do all kinds of things. You can search by collection. You can find Jennifer Wilson's amazing book I sure can you can find this book you can find so many things it's, it's become a stop it. for a lot of the presidential candidates they have yes. to stop into reagan mm-hmm. which yeah and if you're not from iowa you are not aware that maybe uh every four years every eight years when there's an election this is the time of year in which we are inundated mm-hmm. with political candidates um the iowa state fair that's why you see pictures of a lot of candidates eating like corn dogs and turkey legs because they're coming to Iowa. Oh, they come to Iowa State Fair. And in fact, um, I know a couple people who work in the lobbying industry that mm. say that it's very well known that if you tank at the Iowa State Fair, like you make a bad comment, people don't like you, that your campaign's essentially over. It is like that big of a milestone spot. Isn't that, that crazy? Yeah. Because they say you're, you're ruining your chances in the caucus. Yeah. Like they say that that's what happened to Jeb Bush. He engaged with a heckler at the Iowa State yeah, Fair. Yeah. And then after that, his whole campaign tanked. And in case you're not from Iowa and you're thinking that's ridiculous, yes, we are from Iowa. We also acknowledge mm-hmm. that. We think it's This is real happening weird. at the same time as you're putting sweet corn kernels into a mason jar to vote. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's batshit it crazy. It is very batshit crazy. So, yeah, we acknowledge that. It's also delightful. Still, it's though. also delightful. I mean, you can't Absolutely. help it. Absolutely. But when you are thrown off by the craziness of it, go to Raygun because they have a t-shirt for you. <laughs> sure do. And this great book, which I laughed hysterically multiple that times. That fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, a lot of Iowa writers, mm-hmm. a lot of Iowa-centric things. Yes. But you know what? Like we said, we are from Iowa. Mm-hmm. We uh, have been in the writing community as well. So we're really lucky to know quite a few Iowa authors. Uh, we didn't want to pick favorites no. today. Mm-mm. We wanted to introduce writers that we don't know to all of you. Mm-hmm. But we also want to introduce you to the writers that we do know that are fantastic, that are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few of them. We're going to include a list on our website. But um, a few wonderful names. Callie Van Bali, Julie Stone, Francis Sparks. James Irwin, and there's a group called the Iowa Writers and Illustrators, which lists a full list of all the, as the title says, Iowa Writers and Illustrators. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, we we'll link right to onto our page so you can check out all of those. We highly recommend them too. We just, you know, we wanted to keep our integrity for you peeps. Exactly. Because if people. nothing else, we have integrity. Some kind of semblance of it. Some yes. kind <laughs> of semblance. As we talk about killing Herky, we still have our integrity. But damn it, damn it I won't mislead you on a book i might kill a man but my book recommendations are on point <laughs> you can't Damn handle right. the truth <laughs> now we're mixing episodes oh no oh God. all right well okay. anyway we'll be back next wednesday yes. so you have lots of time in the meantime pick up some of those books yeah, check out some of those authors yeah in the meantime you can head to our website that's where you can find them and you can find out all the other recommendations we made in this episode yes you can and at the website you can find some bonus material. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but around the time we had our 25th episode, we put out a best of. You know all the weird stories we tell every episode, all the tangents we go on, all the moments where we can't stop laughing. Mm -hmm. Um, We grabbed a few of those, put them into an episode, and there you go. A best of episode. episode. So you can find that at the website along with a lot of our other bonus material. Yes. And when you find that and you think, man, this is great, 
give us a review. We appreciate that so much. We sure do. And it helps us stay up in the searches and helps other people find our podcast. It does, it does indeed. Um, and another way you can pitch in, get involved in this podcast, Yes, you can give us a theme idea. Do it. We have had some wonderful episodes. Listener suggested. Mm-hmm. We would love to take on your suggestion. We would love it. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our website. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.